Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Goals on Film Edge, the crowd's dedicated sports movies podcast. I'm your host, Jason, and I've got Stewie joining me this week. How are you? I'm well, thanks, mate. I've gotten over having to watch the uh, unsweetened oats of movies this week. Uh, why don't you tell us all about it? Yeah, I will. Uh, so we obviously know that the Australian Open is in full swing, and uh, we're getting into it here too on Goals on Film while taking a look at 2014 tennis comedy Breakpoint. A little synopsis about the film, it's about Jimmy, an immature and ageing tennis pro, whose doubles partner leaves him ahead of qualifiers for the Illyrian Open. Wanting to still make a run for the tournament, he tries to recruit partners, eventually asking his estranged brother and former tennis partner, Darren, who agrees. The pair attempt to work out their differences that stem from childhood, and with the help of Darren's student, one of Darren's students, Barry, the pair go through the motions of the Open, getting through the final stage of qualifying before unfortunately falling short, but mending their relationship in the process. And so, Stuart, you said it was the unsweetened oats of uh, the film world. Why is that? It's just kind of a nothing movie, Jace, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, I sat there, I watched it, I did a couple of... <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, but I didn't actually laugh, you know what I mean? And I must say, I've got, to be, I've got to be real for the listeners out there. They're used to me just with my unbridled truthfulness here. I wanted to watch Match Point, which is a movie starring the stunning Scarlett Johansson. Uh, Jason used his, uh, his power as host. His vote counts for two. Mine counts as one. Um, and we had to watch Breakpoint. But I was pleasantly surprised to see Amy Smart in there, who is also delightful. Um, J.K. Simmons as well was, uh, was a pleasant surprise. And a couple of uh, surprise little cameos, Adam Devine and uh, Chris Parnell, um, they they were good. But uh, for the most part, mate, um, and it doesn't bode well for people listening to this podcast, I would say you could probably give this movie a wide berth. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think that, you know, like this movie was heartfelt in some ways, but it also, for me, like it just didn't have that spark either. And, like, it was really slow at points and then, like, only really sped up when there was tennis action. And so I think that, you know, just, like, you know, you sort of came to understand the story about, you know, like, the um, difference between Jimmy and Darren and just sort of, like, why they sort of, like, grew apart. Um, but I think that, you know, it also wasn't really explored, like, in depth much either. Um, I think that some parts of it were, weren't explored in depth either. Um in terms of Barry and like his family, like, you know, you sort of got the little snippets of like what his home life was like, but didn't really go into much detail. There's plenty of, uh, you know, I didn't think of this and it will shock the listeners and yourself to know and to hear that I watched this movie and then gave it no thought afterwards. But um, there is a few plot points that are just kind of left open. Like the whole thing with Barry and his mum is, is a big one. It, like, you know, they go into it and you think, okay, it's going to take a serious dramatic turn here, which honestly this movie probably could have used. And uh, it just, uh, it's never resolved. Yeah, no, that's right. And I just think that, you know, like, I don't even think for like people that really enjoy tennis, like they might, like this movie like it doesn't even really go into like the depths of depths of like the sport either and like we'll definitely get into the sport later but I feel like so much more could have been explained I mean I think the only like real thing that we got in terms of like what was happening out on the court sometimes 
was through like J.K. Simmons' character sitting in the crowd and being like, this is match point, this is set point. And like that got annoying after a while as well. I was just like, mm-hmm. I fucking know. Like, you don't need to like say this like, and like three times. And I'm pretty sure um, the character that, uh, is it Amy Smart she yeah, plays? Yeah, Heather. Heather was yeah. the name of her character. I think that she was like, we know, we get it. Like, <laughs> and I was like, yes, like, yes, Heather. Match point. We win this point, we're in the open. I was just waiting for that moment um, because that became annoying. It was just like, yeah, I get that part of tennis, but I would have liked, you know, like a bit more about like what was actually happening on the court or like explaining about like their moves. You know, you've got training montages and everything or hitting back and forth. But um, yeah, I just like think that so much was left out of this movie, both in terms of characters and character development and then the sport as well, which I think that, like I said, like it just didn't have that, um, proper spark that um, you know this movie could have had I think that if you went into it a bit deeper yeah absolutely and that's why for people keeping score at home I gave it a five out of ten on IMDB um, not a great watch not really a great watch at all and you mentioned the montages that leans heavily on the montages and also um, you know one-sided shots of the tennis court so you can almost be assured that the shots that are being played are not the shots that are being returned. Um, it was very uh, um, unbelievable and not in a good way uh, in that regard. Yeah, no, no most definitely. And uh, I think that, you know, it might say a little bit, right, because there's a interview that David Walton uh, gave. And so David Walton plays Darren. And uh, he actually said um, that he sort of like went in to uh, read the script um, and he didn't really have much time to prepare. Um, but the script was one of those ones that you can just memorize in two minutes because it's so easy and seamless. You know the thoughts and you know why they're saying them. Um, And I think that that quote especially, like it just says something about the movie and about the script. If it was just so easy to sort of recite in two minutes and remember, then that just shows to me that it didn't have any depth in like even the script. And so if you don't have that depth in the script, I find it, you know, like the actors might find it easy, but you're not really like being convincing um, to properly portray tennis players or portray like this relationship or anything like that. And so I think that the script is like one of the most important things of a movie. And so if the script was easy to remember um, and, you know, you were able to just read it, you know, easily like that, um, I think that, yeah, it's no wonder that it sort of f- fell flat sometimes in terms of the dialogue or sometimes some of the jokes that they tried. Yeah, it's definitely, you definitely had some strife when one of your main actors, one of the main members of the cast comes out and says it's sort of paint by numbers script. And, uh, you know, uh, conspicuous by its absence on the internet is the box office for this movie. Um, I imagine it did not do very well. <laughs> No, well, I think it's really interesting, actually, too, because this film um, started off as a release at South by Southwest in 2014. And so it obviously had that sort of um, that first screening there at, you know, an event that is quite big as well. Um, 
And obviously the reception from that was enough for them to put it into, you know, select cinemas a year later, um, and at least like, you know, release it as a DVD a year later. So yeah, I don't know what those people at South by Southwest might've been thinking, what they might've thought about the film, um, but yeah, maybe even just like a direct-to-DVD um, type of movie is what this should have been. Well, one thing I can confirm is this movie made at least $7.99 because that was the cost of it on Apple TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely appreciate you uh, giving your money to this film um, and to these actors. because Jason, yeah. I love you, mate. I do love you, but I do it for the listeners. It's also the listeners have some content to listen to. <laughs> and so the listeners don't need to pay $7.99. Exactly. To on, on film for free. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely right. <laughs> All right. We might move on now and we will go into references to history. And honestly, can like I cut you off there, mate? Can I cut you off right there? There yeah. are no references to history. This movie is a pile of garbage when it comes to history, when it comes to many things, but especially history. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in here, Jason, is there? No, there isn't. Uh, you know, like these players aren't real players. They're not pro players at all. Um, you know, any player that they do talk about, uh, you know, in terms of them sitting sideline, talking tactics about their opponents, like the play- people that they reference there, the p- people's names that they reference, they're not real tennis players. You know, some of them are like, you know, this person's an up-and-coming 21-year-old, you know, who's bursting onto the circuit now. Like, they're not a real tennis player. This former partner of Jimmy, um, you know, who's gone through him for most of his career, he's not a real tennis player. I mean, Jimmy's not a real tennis player or anything like that. And so it's, it's not even like, you know, these characters of uh, Jimmy and Darren are like within the world of pro tennis or anything like that you know like sometimes they'll be like fictional characters in a real world um, and it's not even that and so it's just a totally fictional world Um, but yeah so in terms of like the tennis like there's no specific reference to any proper tennis players I was just gonna say the Bryan brothers uh, famous American doubles team they have a brief 15 second spot being interviewed by Chris Parnell. I'm here with the Bryan brothers, Bob and Mike, undeniably the greatest doubles team of all time. Gentlemen of all the tournaments you've won, do any stand out in particular? Uh, definitely winning the Alarian Open. Well, you guys share not only the trophies, but a lot of other parts of your life. Is it true that you once shared a bank account? We've shared everything. We lived together for forever. We went to high school together, went to college together. We turned pro on the same date. We got our braces on and off on the same day. So yeah, it's wild how close we are, but it's what makes our, um, our partnership so strong. In the film Pacific Rim, there are these things called Jaegers, which are yeah. giant robots, yeah. and they have to be piloted by a tandem team, okay. um, one taking the left hand, one taking the right hand. I mean, I think you guys would make great Jaeger pilots. What do you think? Yeah. Have you ever considered doing that? I think we'd be a good, uh, you know, two-headed monster. That's as good as it gets. You get 15 seconds of uh, immersing yourself in the world of real-life professional tennis. Yeah. And, I mean, even with the um, Illyrian Open, um, and so this is that's sort of billed as a big Grand Slam tournament. And we know the Grand Slam tournaments as being the Australian Open, Roland Garris, Wimbledon, and the US Open. So the Illyrian Open isn't there. Um, but, you know, like, I think that we can sort of like 
determine maybe um, that, you know, this is taking place in the US. So maybe they're talking about the US Open. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the Illyrian Open is the US Open in this world. Um, but they do reference a tournament, a qualifying tournament that happens in Palm Springs in California. And there is actually a tournament that happens in Palm Springs. It's the BNP Paribas Open. Um, it's at Indian Wells. And, you know, like, I think that that is just a tennis court tournament. Like, it's just one of the random ones out there. I didn't see, I haven't been able to see if it's an actual qualifier for any tournament, much less like a Grand Slam like the US Open. But I think that in terms of referencing a tennis tournament at Palm Springs, there is one. Um, and so I think that that's probably the extent of the, uh, you know, history of a tournament um, within this world in Breakpoint. So it kind of feeds into uh, some other episodes that we've done. We had Dan on for a few NFL movie podcasts here on Goals on Film. And he's explained to us about the NFL's reluctance to really lend its licensing to any feature. I think Draft Day is the only one that we've done that's had actual teams in there. It just shows that uh, if you can't get the licensing um, from the ATP, then you really shouldn't be making a tennis movie that, that kind of centers around tournaments and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think that it is interesting, though, because like, you know, like the ATP or the WTA, um, like they do, they have used their branding for movies before. And so like, I'm pretty sure Wimbledon, um, the 2004 movie starring Paul Bettany and Kristen Dunst, um, I'm pretty sure that uses the Wimbledon logo. Um, mm -hmm. I can't be 100% certain, um, but I would believe that it does. And so, you know, and we talked about it off mic um, before we recorded that there aren't that many tennis movies and Match Point, Stewie, is not a tennis movie, okay? Listen, <laughs> any excuse to watch Scarlett Johansson is a good excuse, okay? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, like, I think that that, I think that, uh, what was that movie? Borg versus McEnroe. Um, I'm pretty sure they used, like, US Open branding for that. And so I think that movies can, um, and maybe those particular tours or these particular sporting bodies, tennis bodies, um, just saw what Breakpoint would be about, saw the script, saw what it would be about, and just said no. And, you know, seeing as though we can only confirm that this movie's made $7.99, it's probably a smart move by uh, the governing body. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that we've uh, got to end it there in terms of references to history. I mean, the only other references to history that we have um, and that I've spoken about with you off mic as well, Stewie, is uh, I think the reference to Ruby Brown and Tiger Woods um, mm -hmm. that we get from Barry. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, I want to be the Kobe Bryant of tennis. And, you know, and Darren's just like, doesn't play tennis. I hit five good serves in the box in a row. I'm like Kobe Bryant. Yeah, Kobe plays basketball. Yeah, I know. I meant that I'm like uh, the Kobe Bryant of tennis. Mm -hmm. I even have Kobe's shoes, see? Yeah, see, that just makes me think that you thought Kobe played tennis. Well, if you'd never called it quits, you could have been as good as Tiger Woods. Tiger plays golf. I know. I'm at the Tiger Woods of tennis. Mm. Okay, just well, a terrible attempt at humor. Yeah. 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 And, and, like, that's the thing, right? Like, I get, like, maybe an 11-year-old might not know too many tennis players, but, you know, if you can reference as many, like, 
non-tennis players as tennis players um, in a movie about tennis, then it probably says something as well, I think. 100%. Couldn't agree more, mate. All right. Well, we will move on now and we will talk about how well the film Breakpoint depicts the sport of tennis. And, yeah, I think that, you know, there's a couple of instances where, you know, you've just got the player, you've just got the actor playing, you don't actually see them hit the ball, but then you also do sometimes get the wider view of a a, uh, court. And you sort of referenced it there at the start as well, um, where, you know, it was sort of just shot from the one side. And so what shots they were playing or what shots they were returning probably weren't in sequence. Um, Mm -hmm. Was there anything else about the uh, actual playing of tennis in this movie that sort of caught your eye and, you know, made you lift an eyebrow at all? No. Nah. It was just... uh, How do I put this? It has the vibe of, like, oh, let's make a tennis movie. Like, if you and I are just sitting here right now, let's make a tennis movie. Oh, this will be funny. And then we get the cast together, we've got the script together, and, you know, it's, it's, it's day one. It's day one of the shoot. And we're like, oh, shit we got to get down to a tennis court. That's how much thought I think was put into this. I don't think uh, the tennis is particularly portrayed well. I may have a bit of a biased view, having been uh, binging a lot of the Australian Open lately, but it just it's just poor. I mean, I'm just going to keep returning to this fact over and over again. It was, it, 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 it was just a poor movie. I said what I said about, uh, you know, the shots of tennis being played are clearly, you know, the shots are blocked so you can only see one side of the court so you can almost it takes you out of it almost the fact that like you just know by look why can't we see these guys actually playing against each other you know we can only see one side of the court and then it shoots to like a different different angle and then you can see the other people returning the ball and it's like for fuck's sake just like get them Playing the game, surely you could get them hitting the ball over the net to each other at least once, and we could see that on the screen. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Yeah, I think that we did see that once um, when Barry and Jimmy were training um, and they were just, like, doing a sort of hit-to-hit over the net with each other. But other than that, I don't think we actually saw a um, proper shot of two people hitting the ball over the net sort of, like, simultaneously you know sort of in the same um rally or the same point or anything like that and so yeah I think that that sort of like you know takes you out of the movie um in terms of seeing the tennis in it and yeah I think that you know in the interview that I referenced before as well like um Jeremy Sisto and uh David Walton they sort of talked about um how they got involved in the movie and their tennis skills beforehand as well yeah, this interview, I put the question to David saying, you know, how good were you playing tennis growing up? And he says that he thinks that he peaked at 10. Uh, his teacher at the time said that if you focus, you could become a nationally ranked junior. Uh, but when he was 12, he tore his elbow up and pretty much stopped playing until he was 24. Took it back up in LA, just hitting around with friends. And he says that he's gotten a bit more better and consistent. And so Therefore, he was able to improve over the course of the movie. And uh, obviously, the Bryan brothers that you referenced before, they were on set for part of it. And so um, he was able to play against the Bryan brothers um, who taught them, I guess, a little bit. But in terms of like how they each prepared for it, I think it was just like remembering how they played during childhood. Um, I mean, Jeremy Sisto took up the sport later in life. um, And so 
it was sort of just, yeah, I think that they didn't really sort of have that sort of like natural game and, you know, it didn't appear that way on the screen either. Yep, absolutely. I think we're just finding different ways to say it was really bad, Jason. <laughs> I think so. I think that's what the, uh, the main point that we're trying to get here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we're really driving her home. <laughs> But I think it is interesting as well because this interview I said that apparently it works out well because if they were too good, it wouldn't look real. And so I don't know what you think about that comment. Um, <laughs> How many more movies did this bloke who directed this film made? Because, uh, you know, I don't think he's long for this world. You want it to look as good as possible, right? Yeah, you do. You do. You want that. You want it to look authentic. You want it to look like they're playing tennis. You want it to look real. That's, I think, like all you want in a movie, especially about a sport. And uh, yeah, apparently, like the journeyman tennis player aspect um, was what they were looking at as well. Um, apparently, there is a documentary called The Journeyman, um, which apparently has barely been seen. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe, you know, yeah. Uh, just like this movie, possibly, but uh, yeah. <laughs> stay down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that you know they sort of maybe reference that a bit too much um, about this guy who is similar to the character of Jimmy. Um, you know, loved the tennis life, but got drunk, just barely made it enough to sort of survive and uh, go from one tournament to the next and figure out what was going on and. I think that that's uh, how they sort of went by this movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. Journeyman, hey? Um, Jason and I live in a historic outback town called Broken Hill. And one of the buildings is the Trade Union Building. Soon to be World Heritage listed, actually. Um, don't tell anyone. It's supposed to be a secret. I was having a little tour around the Trade Union Building uh, today. And I found out that uh, back in the late 1900s, when the unions were being formed, uh, early 20th century as well, I suppose, there was a, uh, a union for journeyman hairdressers. So think about that. <laughs> All right. I do just want to finish up this segment by saying that this film, what this film does um, right, maybe, um, in terms of its exploration of the sport is that it does go into a bit of the nuances of the game. And so some of those things that only really like real tennis fans would know, um, you know, if you've watched the game long enough, you might pick up on this sort of stuff. And so there were some things that uh, Jeremy Sisto actually fought to keep in the movie, um, I guess, knowing about the sort of intricacies of the sport. And one of those things was that during the first match, uh, when the other player spins the racket to see who plays first and they win, um, you know, it's done as sort of like a coin toss um, when you don't have a coin or when you don't have an umpire in charge of the match. Um, that was something, he says that that was something that if you're not a tennis player, you don't know about. So he liked to keep that in. Um, you don't lose people if you do, and it's just real. And so I think that, as we sort of said just before, like, you know, how, you know, what we saw in the movie, it doesn't look real. Um, apparently this part of it is real. <laughs> well, I'm glad that split second, two second scene right at the very beginning when you're questioning all your life choices that have brought you to the point that you're actually watching break point. There is that smidgen little bit of realness in there. Good on you, Jeremy Sisto. <laughs> you fucking idiot. 
And yeah, I think that as well, like just touching on the doubles aspect of it too, because um, that's all that we see. We don't see any singles action in this. Um, but just touching on the doubles aspect. And I think that, you know, what we saw with this in terms of the qualifiers um, was like people playing against each other without the aid of an umpire, of a chair umpire. And what like happened, right, was like, you know, you had players calling in and out themselves. Out. What? What? Yeah, man, it was just about two inches wide. That was in. Well, I'm calling it out. It's an honor system. Let it go. Okay. No, you're right. Good call, guys. Good eyes. Good eyes. Out. What? Yeah, sorry, man. That was just a couple inches out. Are you kidding me? Hey, if Abercrombie and Douche want to play like that, I'll play like that all day. Yeah, keep staring me down, Facebook. I got way more friends than you, trust me. Serve the ball. See, I think that we saw in King Richard when we did that episode, you know, they looked at the sort of like lower levels of uh, tournaments and qualifying those games without umpires where it was sort of like an honor system. Um, they reference, you know, that it's an honor system in this movie as well. And so I think that, you know, in terms of looking at those tournaments and they reference those tournaments in this movie, um, you know, like they got that right because, you know, that is correct in terms of all of those types of tournaments where you don't have an umpire and it is just relying on honesty. And so I think that, you know, there was some things that they got right in this movie about tennis and about, you know, the whole sort of system that sort of leads up to a Grand Slam tournament possibly. But, uh, yeah, I think that all of that sort of gets undone by the tennis action itself. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, mate. I do just want to reference um, the types of ways that a uh, player or players can enter into a Grand Slam tournament too. And so we understand that the Illyrian Open is a Grand Slam tournament in this world. And, you know, they've got to go through the qualifiers to get there. And so there are only three, uh, you know, methods of qualifying um, for a Grand Slam tournament. And they are to be in the top 104 players that sign up for the Grand Slam, uh, to win three rounds of qualifying or to receive a wild card. And so... I think that they, I think that Darren and Jimmy did go through three rounds of qualifying. And so, again, the process of trying to get to a Grand Slam, they uh, got that right in terms of how many games they needed to play, how many rounds of qualifying to get there. Um, and so, you know, if they had won that last match, um, it would have been a legitimate method in terms of them making the Grand Slam. Yeah, I just got out of a really bad relationship, too. Really? Hayes Davenport, no forehand, real cocksucker. So now I don't have a bid for the qualifying tournament. Qualifying for what? I'm making a run at the Open. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so now I have to earn my way in through this upcoming pre-qualifying tourney. If I win that, I'm in the qualifiers at Palm Springs. If I win Palm Springs, I'm in the Open. Just refer to my last comment about, you know, questioning all your life choices that lead you to watching the movie Breakpoint and just thanks. Thanks for having that tiny little bit of realism in there, guys. Thanks. All right, we'll move on now and we'll talk about the cast. And so I'll run you through the cast list. We had Jeremy Sisto as Jimmy. We had David Walton as Darren. J.K. Simmons as Jack, the boy's father. Amy Smart as Heather. Adam Devine as Nick. Joshua Rush as Barry. Chris Parnell as Jay LaRoche and Vincent Ventressa as Gary. And so 
We've talked a bit about them uh, already, but there's more to say. So Stewie, what more do you have to say about this cast list and their performances? I think this would be pretty low on the filmography of J.K. Simmons. Probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen him in. Amy Smart is Amy Smart. She just plays the same character in almost every movie. Um, delightful. The main cast, the main two, Jeremy Sisto and... David Walton. You know, I don't care if I never see them in another thing ever again. And the little fella, Barry. Yeah. I liked Barry. Barry, you know, he was, uh, he was trying real hard and he got to live out his dream of becoming a ball boy. But he never actually, um, you know, said out loud. Um, I think there was a brief conversation in the spa. Okay, now what do you want? I wanted to know if you asked the officials if I could be a ball boy for tomorrow's match or not. No, 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 I did not ask the officials if you could be a ball boy, okay? Now get the fuck out of here. But uh, other than that, uh, I don't think, I think we were supposed to just connect the dots ourselves. It says a lot that uh, a, couple of, a couple of actors with some really tiny roles um, give the best performances here. Adam Devine, just Adam Devine's out. And uh, Chris Parnell um, is his usual hilarious self. Um, other than that, there's not a lot to say. Pretty subpar across the board. Yeah, I don't think there was one standout even for me in this movie. And that's even taking into account, I reckon, um, the little kid that played Barry, so Joshua Rush. I don't think there was a standout at all across the board. I think that all the characters, like you know, said at the start, like, you know, it just lacked depth, it lacked that spark, and that went for the characters as well. Like, it was hard to properly, I think, be invested in them um, because of that. And so I think that, like, even, like, Jeremy Sisto, like, he knew that he was, like, this aggressive, this, like, down on his luck, um, you know, ageing pro, and, you know, right from the start we see his aggressive outburst. Help! What? Oh, my God, that was in! Be honest, dude, you saw that. That was right on the line. Seriously? Call stands. Brad, that ball was on the line. Please don't do this to me. Jimmy, he made the call and I confirm. You're really gonna take his side? Look at him. Does he look like a man who can see? After we went to Elegant Girls that time, you're gonna fuck me over on this. It was out. I never told your wife. And as I've said numerous times before, I went back to the hotel room alone after getting one dance in the champagne room. I don't believe you fucked a stripper, man. That is a terrible, terrible idea. Do not do that again. Is it too hard to get a Hawkeye camera up in this shit? Serve the ball. Long shorts. Right from the start, we see that his disregard towards the sport, um, his player, his partners. Dude, would you cheer up, please? We made the quarters. It's four grand each. We lost, Jimmy. Thought I could learn from playing with a journeyman five minutes after the match and drinking a beer. Well, th this, this is actually gin. I just poured it into an empty beer can because I couldn't find a cup. Well, you can drink all you want now, Jimmy, because we are done. And he just, like, from that moment, he becomes unlikable. And, like, even, you know, towards the end as well, like, you know, I still don't see myself rooting for him. Um, it's just, like, I think that so many people in these, in these roles as well, like, I just don't found it hard to picture them in these roles. Like, you know, if they were these people in real life, for instance, as well, it's, like, so, like, to me, like Jeremy Sisto and David Walton just didn't seem like tennis players. Um, J.K. Simmons, I think that 
you know, I echo your point. I don't think that this is one of his best movies at all. I think that like he was quite flat even. Um, Joshua Rush um, as Barry, I thought that he was um, really annoying still. Like, and like, I think that, you know, no, but I think that in like these sorts of movies sometimes, like you do have like one of those like annoying children who like exist in movies, like to like sort of befriend someone else and, you know, make them see something in a different light. And that's what Barry is, um, you know, like he tries to talk Darren into reconnecting with his brother and taking and agreeing to be his doubles partner again. But I think that even through, even after that happens, like Barry is still annoying. Um, mm-hmm. And as much as you still like understand his backstory a bit more, um, you know, and sort of, you know, feel sorry for him in part, I think that his character to me was just always, you know, it came back around to being annoying. And so like that really took me out of it. It took me out of properly, like, you know, being invested in his character as well. Like I'm just scathing of everyone, right? Like Adam Devine, <laughs> I didn't like him in this movie. I feel like he obviously plays like, I feel like he plays the same character in every movie. And even if he was in this movie for five minutes, right? Like he's still played that like sort of like man baby type character. Um and I just don't think he pulled it off um, in this movie. Like, I feel like he can in other movies, but in this movie, I don't think he did. And, yeah, I, the only one that I'd say, um, you know, was the best out of the lot was probably Amy Smart. So, yeah, that's my well, whole assessment. Cast. She she is uh, delightful. She is beautiful. We love Amy Smart on the Goals on Film podcast. If you're listening, Amy, we'd love to have you on one day. I have a question for you, though, Jason. If this movie, rather than starring Jeremy Sisto and David Walton, mm-hmm. what if it starred Bradley Cooper and Andy Samberg? Is it enough to make it a good movie? Well, I mean, Andy Samberg, we have seen him on the screen portray a tennis player before in Seven Days in Hell, that mockumentary, and we have done that episode if you do want to listen back to it. Uh, so, so like, I think, like, even in that one, right, like, I know that he was playing a comical character in that one as a mockumentary, um, and so maybe in a movie like this, he might be a bit more serious, but again, like, yeah, I guess it's the case of, like, you, there being, like, a character there for comic relief versus, and a character there for, like, seriousness, um, and I think that we get that with Jeremy Sister and David Walton as well. I feel like their dynamic would work as tennis players, yes. Um, I don't know if it would totally be like 100% what I think that I would see um, or want them to be like as tennis players um, and sort of like, you know, believing that they're tennis players. I reckon I reckon um, Bradley Cooper could be, yes. I think that he has sort of like the temperament to you know, do sort of both sides in terms of like being really sort of like, you know, focused on the game and then like, you know, possibly being a bit visibly upset at a couple of the calls. I think that um, Andy Sandberg might be just that visibly upset person. Um, and so I guess what I'm saying is like, I think that those two, yes, would do a better job than Jeremy Sisto and David Walton. It might change my view of them and these characters and how they portray tennis players just a bit more, um, not 100% more, um, or not at a level of being 100%. And out of those two, I'd see Bradley Cooper um, being more of a tennis player on screen than Andy Samberg. 
Uh, I guess the question I'm asking is, is it the cast or is it the script? Hmm. Hmm. I, I, f- I feel like it always just comes back to the script. And I think that, like, yeah, I think that, you know, actors can only do what they can with a script. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's up to actors to sort of, like, make it their own. Um, and it just, it also didn't really seem like Jeremy Sisto and David Walton, like, made it their own. Um, mm-hmm. And so, but I think that ultimately it does come back to the script. And sort of like I said at the start as well, um, that David, when David Walton said that the script was easy and seamless to read and, um, you know, act from, um, I think that that just shows that it is a script issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, think I agree. That- I think you could put anyone in those main roles and, you know, like you kind of, you, you, you kind of said it. Um, it might push it up, so I gave it a five out of ten on IMDb. It might push it up to a six or a seven, but I don't think putting anyone in those main roles makes it a rewatchable at all. All right, we'll move on now, and I'll ask you, Stewie, if there was a relatable character in this movie to you at all. Nope. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really struggling myself. Nothing really stands out to me. Um, yeah, which... much like the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's quite telling. So... Have I mentioned that I hated this movie, Jason? <laughs> Honestly, enough. it's interesting because behind the curtain here for the folks at home, Jason and I we work together, so we have ample opportunity to talk about these movies before we record these podcasts and stuff, and kind of get a gauge for the other person's idea. Jason stopped asking me because he knows that I hate all the movies that we cover. <laughs> That's not true. I don't hate them all, but he has stopped asking me. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's interesting what's happened during this podcast because I feel like I was kind of, I rated it a little bit more than you when we were chatting about it off mic. And just through talking through the movie and just remembering about it and just picking the nits here and there, I think it's really like, it's like, folks at home, once again, you've heard a movie go down a point on an IMDb rating in real time. I think I'm going to uh, revisit my score and give it a four out of 10. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, we do have ample opportunities to, uh, you know, chat about these movies before we actually get on to recording about them. Um, and I think that gives us a chance to sort of like, you know, bounce these ideas or bounce our views and opinions about it off each other as well. Um, but I mean, even I was pretty uh, secretive about, you know, what I thought about this movie um, with you in the lead up to now as well. And so, you know, the fact that I was like, you know, not enjoying it and, you know, like I can always sort of try and find positives from it, but I think that yep. even you might be surprised that uh, throughout listening to this podcast tonight, uh, you're quite surprised that I don't like it and that I have been quite scathing and can't really find any positive things. Yeah, Jason's definitely a glass half full kind of bloke and that's true just in life in general, um, outside of these movies that we discuss week in, week out. He definitely is a glass half full. If you're watching the video stream, you can see that his glass is actually half full. Um, but, uh, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, Jason's review of this movie says more than I could, I could ever say. If he doesn't like it, it's definitely an absolutely trash movie. Yeah, we'll just move on. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we now come to your favourite segment, though, that means, Joey. 
and it asks if you could have a tennis movie get made, what would it be and why? Okay, so I've given this a lot of thought through the week, Jace. I've been deep in thought. Um, there's so many stories in tennis that could be told. Many have been told already. There are others that haven't. Too numerous to itemize here on the podcast. So what I've landed on is a very original idea, a unique movie. Definitely not buying time here. <laughs> no, um, honestly, there's a guy, I don't know how well known he is outside of Australia, but I know in Australia he's kind of thought of as, uh, you know, a douchebag for lack of a better term. And he goes by the name of Bernard Tomic. There was a stage there when him and Nick Kyrgios, who I'm pretty confident any tennis fans listening to around the world will be aware of, there was a time when they were kind of neck and neck, you know, up and coming young stars. The future was bright for Australian tennis. Yeah, they had their, uh, their bad boy antics, but if they could just, just clean them up just a smidge, you know, they could go somewhere. And, uh, you know, Nick, like him or hate him, um, you know, he's good value on the tennis court. I personally love watching him. Um, Bernard Tomic, though, has kind of just faded into nothingness. So I'd love to I'd love to see a movie about the rise and fall of uh, Bernard Tomic. I think that would be a good watch. Yeah, I know. I really want to see that too. Um, <laughs> Where I does just, it all like, go wrong? I just remember, um, you know, that time that he like seemingly... Uh, ditch the Australian Open to play or to go on uh, I'm a Celebrity. Yeah. That was a time. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> All right. Well, my idea uh, sort of stems from, uh, you know, this movie in terms of the main characters trying to qualify for an Open, a Grand Slam, uh, through the qualifying rounds. And so uh, my idea is about Emma Raducanu. Uh, oh. And so... She actually um, won a Grand Slam. She won the 2021 US Open um, at 18 years of age as well. Um, And she actually got there um, to the Grand Slam through qualifying rounds. And so that means that she needed to win a total of 10 matches in a row, um, which is not easy at all. Uh, But until that time, no player had ever won a Grand Slam after playing through qualifying rounds. And so, uh, yeah, she did that. She won 10 matches in a row on her way to the US Open title. She also did so without losing a single set along the way. And so many consider that story one of the best Cinderella stories in tennis. And I think that I, I believe that a movie will get made about that. And so this is me putting my hand up to say that this is a movie that should be done um, so that people can look back in you know 10 years' time and know that I had the idea. Absolutely. Great idea. Emma Raducanu, um, fantastic. I, I was uh, lucky enough to, oh, I guess lucky isn't the right word. I was in uh, lockdown in Melbourne when that US Open was happening. I watched every single game barring the qualifiers, wrote about her extensively. Um, I can't remember the name of the girl that she played against in the final, but she was also um, quite young too. Um, it was the youngest Grand Slam final of all time, I think. But listen, just uh, this idea just popped into my head. How about a movie, Jace, about two podcasters, sports movie podcasters, who get sick yeah. of watching crappy movies and talking about crappy movies and just sign up at the local tennis club 
win the Broken Hill Open and all of a sudden find themselves in a place where, you know, they just need to win three matches and they're off to Rod Laver Arena. Oh, I really like that idea. I really like that idea too. We should definitely do that. Um, the question is, would you be the Jimmy or the Darren? Or which one do you think I would be? <laughs> well, I don't, well, I guess you'd be the Darren by default because I'll definitely be the Jimmy. So, yeah, I don't know what that says about me. I think that that's a big compliment to you. But, uh, yeah, there you go. I think uh, I think that movie we've got to make it happen. Yeah, no, we will. We will. I, I want that to happen. Um, I want us to win the Broken Hill Open and we'll get a wild card into the Australian Open. Absolutely. <laughs> We're looking out for us next year on the Grand Slam circuit. Kavanaugh and Irvine, a couple of good Australian names there, mate. Definitely not Irish at all. <laughs> all right that does now bring an end to this episode so Stuart, would like to share your social media handles and any other avenues or platforms where our listeners can find you uh i would like to share them with you and the listeners uh you can find me at Stuart the sports guy on tiktok and instagram um check my instagram for pictures of my cat um very proud of my cat, Moxie. You might have caught her in the background of the video once or twice this week. And you can find me at Stewie is Sick of It on Twitter. You can hear me every week on Goals on Film, the best sports movie podcast, podcast out there. And uh, I'm going to start putting together some EPL content on, uh, on Edge of the Crowd as well. So definitely head over to Edge of the Crowd and uh, look for some EPL stuff. Yeah, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Jace Irves. You've been listening to Goals on Film. You can find Goals on Film on Twitter and Instagram at Goals on Film Pod. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel where we'll post uh, weekly video highlights from each episode that you can view and you can see our beautiful faces. <laughs> Goals on Film is part of the Edge of the Crowd network. You can find Edge of the Crowd on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Edge of the Crowd. You can also visit our website, www.edgeofthecrowd.com, where we'll be posting stories relating to sport, culture, and politics with a couple of things Australian Open uh, related planned for later next week as we get into the final rounds. Until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs>